بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we started talking about the battle of Al-Qadisiyah which was the Muslim conquest of the Persian Empire Now Al-Qadisiyah it's a city that is east of the Euphrates River, south of Kufa, in the middle of the desert. Now this army that was dispatched by Umar ibn al-Khattab it was under the command of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. He was the military commander of this expedition, expedition appointed by Umar ibn al-Khattab And Umar continued to send instructions to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas throughout the whole part of the expedition, throughout the whole time that he was going towards Al-Qadisiyah and even while he was in Al-Qadisiyah, Umar radiallahu an continued to send him message, messages that contained advice and instructions to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu an. So even though Umar was in Medina, he was making sure that he was keeping a close eye on the events that are going on and that he was giving his input as to what should be done and what should not be done. So in one of these messages that Umar radiallahu an sent to Sa'ad, he said, Inni ulqiya fi raw'i annakum idha laqeetumul adu ghalabtumuhum. He said, I have a strong intuition. And remember, Umar radiallahu an, he was, he was mulham. He was a person, even though, of course, he didn't receive revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he was because he was not a prophet, but he would receive this type of intuition. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he puts this ilham, he puts this type of inspiration into the hearts and minds of some people. So Umar radiallahu anhu was one of those people. He was a mulham, he was a person who got these correct feelings that were inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he said, Inni ulqiya fi raw'i. He said, I have a strong intuition and a strong feeling that when you meet the enemy, you will defeat them. So he gave a very strong instruction to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas on how to deal with the enemy. He said, if you even accidentally give a sign to someone from the enemy that they are safe, like sometimes maybe you make a hand gesture or you make some type of, a, of a, a body gesture that the enemy might misunderstand that you are giving them safety. So you do something with your hands or you do something with your eyes or you do something with your body that even though you didn't mean for that to mean that, that this person is given safety, that was not your intention, but your enemy could have understood it in that way. If there's a possibility that your enemy might have misunderstood and he thinks that you are giving him a promise of safety, then Umar said, you must give him safety. If that is what he understood, even though you didn't mean to give him safety, if he understood that you are giving him safety, then you must give him safety. He said, because if you, miss a, if you make a mistake, if you make a mistake in terms of, of loyalty, then that is fine and you will remain successful. But if you make a mistake 
in terms of treachery. A person, he thought that he was safe and then you killed him. If you make that type of a mistake, then this is destruction. So, make sure that everything is clear and if something is unclear and a person may misunderstand that you may have given him a promise of safety, then you must give him safety. Whether it was your intention to give him safety or not. So look at these rules of war here. This is your enemy. And Umar is telling you that you must not even betray an enemy. That you must make sure that you are fair and just even to an enemy. So if he believes that you have given him safety, then you must give him safety. So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, he reached Al-Qadisiyah and he waited there. He waited for the confrontation with the Persian army. And he waited for one month with no sign of anything. He's at Qadisiyah with his army now. Nothing is happening. One month goes by, nothing happens. So Sa'ad during this time while he's waiting in Al-Qadisiyah, he makes small groups from his army. He divides them into smaller groups and he sends them to the neighboring lands, the cities that are nearby Al-Qadisiyah to recapture some of the lands that were lost. During the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Khalid ibn al-Walid, he captured much of these lands. But then after that, some of these lands were recaptured by the Persians again. So now Sa'ad, he's recapturing some of those small cities around Al-Qadisiyah that had been lost. Now the Persians of these cities around Qadisiyah who are being now recaptured by the Muslims, they sent a letter or they sent multiple letters to the Kisra. And the Kisra was a man named Yazdajard. So they sent letters to Yazdajard informing him that the Muslims are here and they're coming to our cities and they're retaking, they're recapturing our cities and we're not receiving any help from you. Where are you? Where is your army? We cannot fend the Muslims off by ourselves. We need help from you and you are nowhere to be found. So they're sending these letters of complaint to the Kisra, to Yazdajar. Saying like, look, if you don't help us, there's no way we can manage this by ourselves and we're just going to surrender. If you don't send any reinforcements, if you don't send any support to us, then we will have to surrender. So Yazdajar, he receives these letters and he feels that he has to do something about it. That there's a lot of public pressure now that I need to send an army to face these Muslims. So he told his main commander, and that was Rustum. He told Rustum, prepare the army and get ready to go and fight Sa'ad's army. Now Rustum, he didn't think that this was the best strategy. He had his own opinion. And he told Yazdajard, he told the Kisra, look, Islam has spread. It's not a weak group of people anymore. The Muslims have become strong and they have become powerful. And they are not normal people. The Muslims, they are very sincere and very dedicated and they're not afraid of death. They're very courageous. They're bra very brave. They're not like us. So I don't think that this is the best time to go and fight them. We should wait until you know, things calm down. And then maybe we can fight them later. But I don't think this is the right time to fight these people. This was the advice of the military commander Rustum to the Kisra, Yazdajard. But Yazdajard, there was too much pressure on him from the public. 
that look, the Muslims are here. They're already recapturing these lands. No one is coming to help us. So the public opinion was actually turning against Yazdajard because Yazdajard was not sending his forces to help his people. So under this public pressure, Yazdajard did not accept this military advice from his commander Rustum and he said, no, you need to prepare your army now and you need to fight the Muslims now. So Rustum, even though his advice was rejected, he had no choice but to obey the command of the king of the Kisra. So he said, okay, if this is your decision, even though I may disagree with it, you are the boss and I will follow your instructions. So Rustum, he starts preparing an army. But he does it very slowly because he really, really doesn't want to do this. And he doesn't think this is the right move. So he starts preparing his army as Yazdajard commanded him to do. But he does it really slow. He procrastinates a lot. And he spends four months preparing the army. Asad has already been in Al-Qadisiyah for a pretty long period of time. Now Rustum for a few more months. He's preparing his army. So this was the procrastination tactic of Rustum because he really didn't think it was the right move to go and fight Sa'ad and his army. So he starts preparing his army very slowly. In the beginning, the army of Rustum consisted of 100,000 men. This is just at the start and then it increased after that. But in the beginning, there were 100,000 men in the army of Rustum. The Persians, they were considered the most powerful empire in the world at that time and they had a lot of manpower and they had a very strong military. So his army started out as 100,000. Compared to the army of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas which started out only as 12,000. 8,000 that were already there in Iraq and 4,000 that were sent by Umar ibn al-Khattab from Medina so it became 12,000 and then it grew because soldiers from different parts of the Arabian Peninsula, they came and joined as well. So in the end, the army of Sa'ad, it was 36,000 people. It started as 12,000 and it grew to 36,000. As for the army of Rustum, it started, the starting point was 100,000. And it eventually grew to 240,000. So look at the numbers here. 240,000 against 36,000. This is how vastly the Muslims were outnumbered. But the Muslims knew that numbers it doesn't mean anything as long as they continue to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will still be able to defeat even a much larger army. Alright, so now Rustum, he finally prepares his army after so much procrastination and he starts moving towards Al-Qadisiyah. Now the capital of the Persian Empire, where the military was based and where the Kisra was based, it was a place called Madain. So now Rustum and his army, they're moving from Madain, going towards Al-Qadisiyah. On the way, they reached a city called Kuthi. And this is a city that is between Madain and Babylon. Between Madain and Babylon, a small city called Kuthi. And in this city, Rustum, he came across a Muslim Arab man. And Rustum asked this, Mus uh, Rustum asked this Muslim Arab man, why are, why are you people here? Why did you come here? Why do you want to fight us? 
And the Muslim said to him, جِئْنَا نَطْلُبُ مَوْعُودَ اللَّهِ بِمُلْكِ أَرْضِكُمْ وَأَبْنَائِكُمْ إِنْ أَبَيْتُمْ أَنْ تُسْلِمُونَ The Muslim man, he said clearly, the reason why we are here is because we are seeking the promise of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised us that we will take your land and we will take your children if you refuse to accept Islam. So we're here for the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Rustum is shocked at the way this man is talking to him. And he says to him, فَإِنْ قُتِلْتُمْ قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ Okay, you're saying that Allah has promised you that you will take our land. What if you are killed before you are able to do that? And then the man said, the Muslim man said, مَنْ قُتِلَ مِنَّا دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَنْ بَقِيَ أَنْجَزَهُ اللَّهُ وَعْدَهُ He said, okay, if any of us are killed before we get to see the realization of this, then we get Jannah. So it doesn't matter, it's fine. And if we live, if we don't die, then we will see the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lifetime. So we are winners in either situation. If we die, we win. And if we don't die, we also win. So Rustam said, so this is the only option with you people. Either you die or you conquer us. And then the Muslim man said to Rustum, he said, look, your evil has put you in this position. You are people who don't have the right belief. You are people whose actions are ugly and evil. And because of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in the situation you are in right now. Even though you have so much in terms of wealth and so much in terms of manpower, your army is so huge, you're so big in numbers, even though you have all this, you're still in a difficult situation right now because of your evil. So don't be deceived by your big numbers. And then the Muslim man said to Rustum a very important statement and a very deep statement. He said, look, when you fight with us, you're not fighting human beings. You're not fighting human beings. You are fighting Qadr. You are fighting destiny. It has been destined. We have been promised that we will take this land. This was a promise that the Prophet ﷺ already told the Muslims while the Prophet ﷺ was alive. That the Muslims will take Persia. So this man, he told Rustum, you're not fighting human beings. You're trying to fight the Qadr of Allah. You're trying to fight the ordainment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's futile. You will never be able to, to beat destiny. So Rustum was very angry to hear this. And he killed this Arab man. He killed this Muslim man. And his army continued. As they continued on the way to Al-Qadisiyah, they stopped by a Persian village. They stopped by a Persian village. Their own people. Rustum and his army, they're Persians, and they stopped by a village of their own people that has not been taken over by the Muslims. And when they stop in that village and they stay in that village, the army of Rustum, they go haywire in that village. They attack the people of that village. They assault the women of that village. They plunder the wealth of that village. Right? <laughs> and these are their own people. This is how the Persians are dealing with the Persians. Right? So the people of this village, they go to the commander. They go to Rustum. And they say, what, what is your army doing? We are your own people and you're attacking us and you're plundering our wealth and you're assaulting our women and you're doing this and you're doing that. This is how you treat your own people? 
And then Rustum thought about what that Muslim man said to him, that the reason why we are in this situation is because of our own evil character. And he said to himself, Wallahi, that Muslim was correct. What that Muslim said to me, it was true. We are in this situation because of our own evil. And the Arabs treat their enemies better than the Persians treat their own friends. Rustum, he realized this because when the Muslims would take over any of those Persian cities, they would not do anything oppressive to the people of those cities. They would treat them fairly. Whereas the Persians themselves, they're killing their own people and assaulting their own people and oppressing their own people. So Rustum, he realized that the Muslims, they treat their enemies better than we treat our friends. The Muslims treat their enemies better than we treat our own friends. So he realized, yeah, this is not right. And he realized that what the Muslims said to him, that this is why you're in this situation because of your own evil, Rustum realized that that was true. All right, so as we mentioned, there were some Persian cities that had surrendered to the Muslims because Rustum and his army were nowhere to be found before this. So when the Muslims were going to these different cities around Qadisiya and the Persians had no support from Yazdajard, many of them, they just surrendered. When the Muslims came in their lands, they said, okay, we surrender. You can take over this land. So Rustum, when he reached these lands, finally, after the fact, he was very angry. He said, why did you surrender to the Muslims? Why did you people surrender to the Muslims? And then the people of these cities and these villages, they said, who are you to ask us this question? Where were you when we needed your help? We needed help and you were nowhere to be found. We didn't get any support from you. So, what did you expect us to do? That was the only choice we had. To save our own lives, we had to surrender. And you cannot criticize us for that and you cannot blame us for that. Alright, so now Sa'ad is in Qadisiyah. And still he has no news about what is going on with the army of Yazdajard, of the Persian army. He's waiting for months in Qadisiyah with his army and still no sign of any type of confrontation. So Sa'ad, he decided to send a group of spies to go and see what's going on, to move forward and see if the army of Yazdajard is coming or not. He sent a group of spies, 10 spies under the command of two very powerful fighters. The commanders... The two commanders of this spy expedition, this small spy expedition of 10 men, they were led by Amr ibn Ma'di Yikarib, who was a Yemeni warrior, very well known even in the times of Jahiliyyah. It was said that he is equivalent to 1,000 fighters, this man. Amr ibn Ma'di Yikarib, al Yemeni. So he was one of the commanders and the other commander was Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Usdi. And he was also a very well-renowned warrior and it has also been said about him that he was equivalent to a thousand men. So these were the two commanders of this small 10-man spy expedition. Now Amr ibn Ma'di Yikarib and Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Usdi, both of them, if you remember, when we talked about the biography of Abu Bakr both of these men, Amr and Tulayha, they actually apostated from Islam after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. But then they came back to Islam. They actually fell into the fitna of Ridda, 
of the apostasy after the death of the Prophet but Alhamdulillah they were guided back to Islam so Amr ibn Ma'di Yikarib and Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Usdi they were put in charge of this 10-man spy expedition by Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas so Sa'ad told this expedition go forward and bring me back some information bring me back some news what's going on alright now in the meantime Rustum his army started with 100,000 people but then it grew and eventually his army consisted of 240,000 people can you imagine how huge this army is 240,000 people and Rustum he divided his army into three parts a front a middle and an end he put 70,000 people in the front, 100,000 people in the middle, and 70,000 people at the end. And these three factions of his army, they were not all traveling together. So he sent the front of the army, the 70,000 men in the front, to go towards Qadisiyah first. Then a few days later, he sent the 100,000 people in the middle to follow them. Then a few days later, he sent the 70,000 people at the end to follow them. So the three parts of this army, they were separated by a few days. They were not all traveling together. So eventually, the spy expedition of 10 men led by Tulayha and Amr, they saw the 70,000 men in the front of the army, the first part of the army. And of course, they could not see the 100,000 men in the middle of the army and the 70,000 men at the end of the army because they were days apart. So they came across the first part of the army only, the 70,000 men in the front of the army. So this spy expedition, when they saw these 70,000 men, they said, okay, it's an army, about 70,000 men. Let's go back now to Qadisiyah. Let's go back to Sa'ad and inform him that 70,000 men are coming. But Tulayha and Amr, they are very well-seasoned, experienced warriors. They knew that, no, this 70,000, this is not the whole army. This is just the front of the army. There is going to be a continuation of this army. We just need to wait for it. So both Tulayha and Amr, they understood this. They said, just no, we have to wait for the rest of the army to come before we go back to Sa'ad because we need to give him a complete picture of what the situation is. So Tulayha and Amr, they realized this, but the rest of that spy expedition, they said, no, it's 70,000 men. There's not going to be any more than this. And we can't delay the news. We must tell Sa'ad this news as soon as possible. 70,000 people, and you think more are going to come? Tulayha and Amr said, yes, more are going to come. We're sure about it. But the rest of them, they disagreed. They said, no, uh, we don't think any, we think this is the complete army, 70,000 men. We want to go back to Sa'ad and give him the news as soon as possible. So Amr and Tulayha said, okay, you guys go. The two of us will remain here. You guys go and tell Sa'ad, but we're going to remain here because we think that there are more soldiers yet to come. So this is what they decided to do. The rest of that expedition, they went back to Sa'ad, while Tulayha and Amr, only the two of them, they remained. And they said to each other, okay, let's wait and see what happens. So they waited. 
they basically did a stakeout, right? Waiting. And after a few days, sure enough, the second part of the army came, the middle, the qalb of the army came. And that consisted of 100,000 men with weapons, with armor, with supplies. Then Amr and Tulayha, when they saw this, they spoke amongst themselves. Okay, what do you think? Is that it or is there still more to come? And they agreed that probably there's still one more part of the army that is to come. The first part we saw was the beginning. This is the middle, but now we still have to wait for the end. So they said, okay, let's continue. We'll wait a little longer and we'll see what happens. So they waited a few more days. And finally, the Mu'akhira came. The last part of the army came, which also consisted of 70,000 men. So 70,000 in the beginning, 100,000 in the middle, and 70,000 at the end. So that's a total of 240,000. And with the end part of the army, with the Mu'akhira, was the commander. Rustum was there in the last part of the army. Rustum himself was there. And Tulayha and Amr could recognize who he was by the way he was dressed. The military commander, he's not dressed the same as the regular soldiers. So they realized, okay, this guy who's dressed like this, that guy must be the commander of this whole army. He's the leader. So now Amr ibn Ma'di Yakarib al-Yamani, he says, okay, now we got the whole picture. Now we know how many people are in the army of Yazdajar. Now we can go back to Sa'ad and we can tell him the situation. But Tulayha bin Khuwailid, he says, no, no, no. Let's not go back yet. Let's go attack this part of the army. Let's go attack these 70,000 men. They're two guys. And Tulayha is saying, let's go and attack them. And Amr, he says, are you kidding me? We are two people and they are 70,000 people. You're saying we should go and fight with them? And Tulayha said, yeah, so what? Let's go and fight. And Amr said, you, you must be majnoon. Are you out of your mind? How can we do such a thing? Then Tulayha says to Amr, you're just a coward. You go back, don't worry. You go back, I'll take care of this myself. So Amr is just shocked. At, what, what is this guy thinking? We're two people and he wants to go and fight an army of 70,000 people by ourselves? So Amr is shocked. And, but he stays back to just see what is Tulayha going to do? And Tulayha actually, in the night, he went and he did a sneak attack on that army. He infiltrated himself into that army of 70,000 people. And it was unexpected. They were not expecting anything like this. But he is able to reach the middle of the army and cause a lot of chaos. Right? It's in the night. It's in the dark. People don't realize what's going on. It's unexpected. So he is able to infiltrate and he actually reaches the tent of Rustum. He reaches the tent of the commander, Rustum himself. And you know how those tents are, right? They are held together by pillars and those pillars are basically tied to keep the tent standing. So he went to the tent of Rustum and he cut those ropes so that the tent fell down. So Rustum's tent fell down and Tulayha, he took the horse of Rustum and he escaped. So he manages to collapse the tent of Rustum and take Rustum's horse and get out of that army without being injured. Alhamdulillah. So he was able to do that. Just shows what a great warrior he was. Now when the Persians finally realized what happened, they were caught completely off guard. When they realized what happened, it really, really affected their morale. They, they, they said to themselves, look, 
We're 70,000 people and our commander is with us and this is what happened. Even before the actual fighting starts. We are already facing such humiliation. So it really, really hurt their morale. Finally, Tulayha and Amr, they returned to Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas and they apprised him of the situation. They told him, okay, this is what the situation is. The army is divided into three parts, 70,000 people in the front, 100,000 people in the middle, and 70,000 people in the end, and the commander is with the end. So they gave a clear picture to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas about what to expect and when to expect the Persian army to reach Qadisiyah. So Sa'ad he sends a message back to Umar ibn al-Khattab in Medina telling him of the situation. Okay, this is the situation. Uh, the confrontation looks like it's going to be pretty soon. So Umar sent a message back to Sa'ad saying, okay, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you will be victorious inshallah. But before fighting, before the fight starts, send a group of knowledgeable people from your army to Yazdajard, to the capital, to Madain. Send them to the Kisra to give him da'wah. Before the fighting starts, at least give Yazdajar the chance to accept Islam or if he doesn't want to accept Islam, he can accept the jizya that he will make payments. Give them this chance and this choice before the fight. So Umar he sent these instructions to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas to form, a, to form a da'wah team, a group of, of soldiers who are also knowledgeable about Islam, who can actually present Islam to Yazdajar. So this da'wah group was formed by Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas and it was led by a man named Al-Nu'man ibn Al-Muqarrin radiyallahu So this group, they left Qadisiyah and they headed towards the capital of the Persian Empire, Madain. They crossed the Euphrates River, they crossed the Tigris River and finally they reached the palace of Yazdajard, the palace of the Kisra in Madain. And they entered upon Yazdajard. Yazdajard asked them, and remember all of this conversation that's going on between Yazdajard and the Muslims, it is through a translator, through an interpreter. Because Yazdajard does not speak Arabic, and the Muslims, they don't speak Farisi. So there was an interpreter who was, who was translating for both sides. So Yazdajard, through his interpreter, he asks these Muslims, this Muslim delegation, uh, why are you here? Why did you come to fight us? Is it because you saw the infighting that was taking place in the Persian Empire? You saw that we were fighting amongst ourselves. So you saw this as a weakness, as an opportunity for you to come and fight us? And Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin, who was the leader of this da'wah group, he said, no, that's not it. The reason why we're here is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had mercy upon us. Allah sent a messenger to us, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This messenger, he called us to good and he forbade us from evil. And he promised that the one who answers his call will have good in this life and in the next life. And then An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin explained to Yazdajard how Islam started in Mecca, then it was established in Medina and then how over the years it spread across the Arabian Peninsula. He explained to him the spread of Islam during the time of the Prophet 
And then he told Yazdajard, he said, and our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he told us to continue with this da'wah, to continue calling neighboring nations to Islam. Call them to Islam and to the truth that is in it, the good that is in it. And then An-Nu'man said to Yazdajard, he said, if you refuse to accept Islam, then you can pay the jizya to us. And you will be safe. Nobody will hurt you. Nobody will harm you. You will, you will actually be under our protection. We will protect you. If you don't accept Islam, then you pay the jizya and you are safe under our protection. But if you refuse to accept Islam and you refuse to also pay the jizya, then we will fight you. Then we will fight you. But if you accept Islam, and that's the best thing you can do, if you accept Islam, then you can stay in power. You can keep your kingdom. If you accept Islam, you can stay in power, but you have to rule according to Islam. Rule according to the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, but you can keep your power. So this is your choice. So Yazdajard was angry at this. Yazdajard said, I don't know anyone who is poorer than you Arabs, who is weaker than you Arabs, who was more disunited than you Arabs. But now, it seems that you think you have become some important big shots. The Arabs were looked upon by others during, before the time of the Prophet ﷺ. The Arabs were not respected by other nations. The Persians, they didn't respect the Arabs. The Byzantines, they didn't respect the Arabs. They were not respected by others. But now, alhamdulillah, they have become united under Islam. So their position has started to change. But yes, Dajjal, he says, look, you people, you were so weak, you were so disunited, nobody respected you, and now you think you're something. You think that you can come into my palace and you can talk to me like this? And then yes, Dajjal said to them, look, if the reason why you are here is because you are poor, you Arabs are poor and we Persians were rich, if that's why you want to take over our lands, then you don't need to do that. We will give you food. We will give you clothes. We will take care of you. Don't worry about that if that's why you're here. And yes, Dajjard continued to mention to these Muslims that you Arabs, you were people that really didn't have respect, the respect of the world. So why are you here now? Now, another man from the Muslim delegation, a man named Qais ibn Zarara, عن, he said, yes. He said to yes, Dajjard, yes, what you are saying is that the Arabs were disrespected and the Arabs were in such bad shape before Islam and the Arabs were disunited and weak and poor. What you are saying, yes, this is true. We will not deny this. We were disunited, we were weak, we were poor. This is true. And even more than you are saying, it is true. But, but, then Allah blessed us. After this, Allah blessed us with a messenger He sent to us and Allah blessed us with Islam. So now our situation is not the same. And then Qais continued, he said, so look, you can accept Islam, and if you don't accept Islam, your only other choice if you want to remain safe without fighting, your only other choice if you refuse to accept Islam, that you must pay the jizya wa anta saghir. That you have to pay the jizya and you are saghir. The word in Arabic, saghir. So the, the, the translator, the interpreter, he didn't know how to translate this word. What does, how can I translate saghir into into Farisi. He couldn't find the right word to translate it. So Yazdajard, he asked Qais ibn Zarara. He said, explain, what do you mean? What is this word? My interpreter, he can't translate it. So explain what this word means. What is Saghir? 
So he explained it to him. He said, you know what it means? It means that you have to pay the jizya when you are in a state of subservience. You are in a state of, of humility. So basically, we will be sitting down and you will come with the jizya standing up and we will not get up for you. You will come with the jizya and you will beg us to take it and we will just be sitting down and we will take it if we want. We will not take it if we don't want. So we will be sitting and you will be standing. So yes, the jard. Now he understands what the, mean, what the meaning of the word saghir is. It means like you are in a state of, of humility. You are humiliated. You are dhalil. You are low. So yes, the jard. He's the Kisra of the Persian Empire. Very arrogant man. He got very angry. He got very angry with this. And he said, if it weren't for the fact that messengers are not killed, this was something that was accepted. That if someone is sent as a messenger, you don't kill the messenger. He said, if it weren't for the fact that messengers are not to be killed, I would have killed you right now. And then Yazdajard told some of his people, some of the people in his palace, he said, bring some dirt. Bring some dirt from the ground and put it on the head of the most honorable person amongst these Muslims. And yes, Dajjad, he meant to do that as a sign of disrespect. I'm going to take dirt and I'll put it on the head of the most honorable one from amongst you. So then one of the Muslims of the delegation, a man named Asim ibn Amr, quickly, when he heard this, he said, I am the most honorable one amongst us. I'm the most honorable one. So come and put it on, on my head. So yes, Dajjad's man came with that dirt and he put it on the head of Asim ibn Amr. And Asim ibn Amr, he didn't fight this he didn't argue with this at all and he kept this dirt with him he kept it with him he got on his horse and the delegation returned back to Sa'ad in Al-Qadisiyah they did their job they gave da'wah to Yazdajar they told him his choices either Islam or Jizya or if not then we will fight so now the Hujjah has been established against Yazdajar everything is clear so they go back to Al-Qadisiyah and Amr or Asim ibn Amr, he still has this dirt with him, the dirt that Yazdajart had put on his head. He still has it with him. And he returns back to Al-Qadisiyah, he returns back to Sa'ad, and he says to Sa'ad, he says to him, Abshir, he said, glad tidings. Glad tidings, Ya Sa'ad. I have good news, Ya Sa'ad. Yazdajart himself, the Kisra, the ruler of the Persian Empire, he has given us his land. He has given us his land. And this is the dirt. This is from his land. He gave it to us. So this is a good sign. We're going to get this land, inshallah. So he interpreted that in a good way. Yes, Dajjard meant it as a humiliation, but Asim turned it around as a sign of victory. Alhamdulillah. So this is beautiful, right? Okay, so inshallah, we'll stop there for today. Next week, we will continue and we'll talk about the actual battle of Al-Qadisiyah, bi-ithnillah. Jazakumullahu khaira. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Come on, here.